pastor here, and uh, good to see you guys. Everybody happy? Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. Woo, woo. Yeah, this is uh, the third Sunday of Advent, which means that it is the Sunday of joy. And because it's the Sunday of joy, uh, we've got a little video we want to we show you. So let's, uh, let's just do that. Big holiday tradition, fruitcake. I love our holiday traditions, like the Christmas tree, where we go out and we chop down a tree and we put it in our living room. Kind of sounds like the behavior of a drunk man, really. <laughs> Some woman wakes up. Honey, why is there a, a pine tree in our living room? I like it. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna decorate it. For Jesus. Uh, and then I'm going to hang my socks over the fireplace. Fill them with candy. Maybe I'll tie some leaves to the ceiling, see if I can get some action. But now i got to puke on that couch. Merry Christmas. Some people get so into Christmas, they decorate their yards. It seems completely backwards. All right, chop down that tree, bring it in here. Take all these lights, put them out there. Oh, I just gotta, I really gotta get a job. He's anti-Christmas. That really has nothing to do with this morning's message. Not, not directly, anyway, other than... Jim Gaffigan's always a good time, so fun to bring that in here. But yeah, today is the third Sunday of Advent, which is joy. And to begin with, we want to read a scripture. Just a little few verses here from Luke. This is after the angel has gone to meet both Mary and Elizabeth and Zechariah. And Mary takes about a hundred mile trip on foot to go see Elizabeth, and this is what it says in verse 39. It says, In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country, to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry. No, that's Bible talk for her. She started yelling. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And then right after this, Mary breaks out in song. There are a few words that end up showing up over and over in the gospel accounts of the birth of Jesus. So if you read Matthew's account of Jesus' coming into the world, and if you read Luke's in particular, uh, and even if you read John, like that first, that first chapter, that prologue, those first 18 verses, there are just these words that tend to show up again and again 
when we start talking about the birth of Jesus. Now, one of the words that shows up is something we talked about last week. We talked about peace. You guys remember that? When you read the gospel accounts of Jesus' birth, peace is one of those words that shows up. The angels are saying, peace on earth. This idea of peace, God's kingdom breaking in, and when it breaks in, it comes with peace. All over the Jesus story. Uh, One of the other words that you'll see in the narrative of Jesus' birth over and over again is fear. Now, we don't, we all, we don't oftentimes uh, consider it that way, but if you read the gospel accounts, everybody is afraid. And you probably would be too if angels started showing up in your bedroom. If you started having dreams and you were told to marry a woman who was pregnant but had not had sex. There's lots to be afraid of. And it's one of those words that shows up. But one of the other words that shows up again and again in the birth account of Jesus is the word joy. Uh, We sang it this morning. Um, We sang it. Uh, The birth of Jesus. This is the gospel, the gospel in miniature. The birth of Jesus is joy to the world. And it's not joy for just a few people. It's actually joy for everyone. Unfortunately, not everyone grabs a hold of that joy. Not everyone can see it and not everyone thinks it's great. Nevertheless, joy is actually available. Uh, Even now, right here in this room, there's joy available to every single person. Uh, There's joy available for people who are doing well and there's joy available for people who are having a rotten time and in this in the room this morning we have people who are doing well and we have people who are doing rotten Uh, and the the amazing news is that there's actually available joy for you Uh, here in the story of mary and elizabeth we have two pregnant women and all over this story especially in the verses we read this morning there are just there are fits of joy pretty much everywhere and we're going to see that Uh, elizabeth she is an old woman probably in her mid-70s, well past the time of even being able to conceive a baby, and she and her husband conceive a kid, and it's like, it's a miracle. Like God told her it was going to happen. It's a miracle. Not only that, but Mary is the exact opposite. She's not old. She's extremely young. Could have been as young as 13. It ain't America. Could have been as young as 13. Certainly no older than 15. And she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Absolutely a virgin, never had sex with anyone. Can you imagine going home and telling your mom and dad this story? How many of you understand that even though you tell the story of what happens to you, when that's the story of what happens to you, the story doesn't help? I, I love Mary. Uh, she's, she's one of these people who uh, had done everything right in her life, but on the outside it looks like she had done everything wrong. Right? Over and over again, we see this paradox in the Gospels. Even when Jesus is nailed to the tree, he looks like a criminal. Oftentimes, God looks like the worst person. We have this idea of who God is and what he looks like and what he's up to. Oftentimes, God looks like a criminal and a promiscuous teenager. It's amazing. Nevertheless, Mary and Elizabeth are pregnant, and it's a marvel. Two babies who would grow up to change everything were curled up in their mother's womb being fed by umbilical cords, sloshing around in amniotic fluids. Do you ever think about Jesus attached to an umbilical cord, sloshing around in amniotic fluid? You should. (laughs) You actually should. And the reason you should is because oftentimes we, we so spiritualize the story of Jesus that we actually miss 90% of what the Gospels are trying to tell us. So, for instance, there's fits of joy all over this story. And the joy is surrounding 
two ladies who are pregnant with two boys who are going to change the whole world. But, but hear this. This is the part that's really cool for me. Jesus attached to an umbilical cord doing the backstroke. No, the backstroke. What, this is the butter, doing the butterfly in amniotic fluids. John the Baptist, he has less room. He's, he's six months old in his mother's womb at this point. He's sort of curled up and he's just doing, he's doing like an alien <laughs> float there in his mother's belly. And there's all this joy. Jesus and John were still in process. They could not survive outside of their mother's womb in this moment. Think about that for a moment. There was a moment when Jesus was alive that he couldn't survive outside of his mother's womb. He was still growing. Those embryonic cells were still dividing. He couldn't have survived even one second outside of his mother's womb. He was connected in a profound way. Not only that, but John the Baptist, six months old in his mother's belly, he wasn't ready to come out. He wasn't even ready to breathe yet. His little lungs were not totally formed. These two are still in process. Do we see that? This is really important because what it tells us is this. It tells us that joy in God's kingdom is not only an outcome, but it's a part of the process. It's available in the process. See, one of the things I know about you and I is that we like outcomes. And we mostly attach joy to outcomes, right? If things go well, then I have a reason to be happy. And so if I have a reason to be happy, now I have joy. Things have gone well. I'm a winner. I have joy. Uh, I got a favorable settlement. I got joy. Uh, We made a lot of money on a business deal. I've got joy. That's not entirely how the kingdom of heaven works. One of the things we see here is that you can be in process. You can be still growing. You can still be on your journey. You can be undeveloped. You, you can have parts of your life that are still undeveloped in Jesus and have joy. You can have parts of your life that are not full yet. You can have parts of your life that are incomplete. At this point, Jesus is in some way physically incomplete. So is John the Baptist. There are things that can be incomplete, not fully formed, not fully functional, and you can have joy. That's above average news. That's actually really good news. I mean, I don't know. Who am I talking to this morning? Anybody in the room got stuff that's not fully formed, still in process, not exactly what it's going to be on the way? Yeah, it's everybody in the room. It's everybody in the room. And we can have joy. Uh, One of the things about God's kingdom is that we don't have to be at the end in order to experience the reward. The rewards of God's kingdom are oftentimes showing up early. So in God's kingdom, joy is not a later thing. And joy is not a heaven thing. I know that you've grown up and you've heard your entire life that heaven is where all the good stuff is. Well, I would like to confirm that heaven is where the good stuff is and you don't have to wait till you get there to enjoy it. Like, it's now. Joy is not just an everything has worked out fine thing. That's how we think. We equate joy with everything has worked out fine already. No, in God's kingdom, joy is we're on the way. Joy is a now thing. Joy is an in-the-middle-of-it thing. Joy is a we're-still-figuring-it-out thing. Joy is a we-don't-know-what's-happening thing. Anybody in the room have things in your life where you don't really understand what's going on? Yeah, good news. You can have joy even in that spot. One of the ways I know you can have joy in that spot is because these two ladies right here who are pregnant, supernaturally by God, they have extreme joy. And I can assure you, how many of you understand that neither Mary nor Elizabeth really knew what was going on? 
And I know some of you are like, well, I've read it. And it's like, well, there was an angel that came and told him what was going on. Well, yeah, I've read it too. But how many of you have ever read that and done a little thinking and, and put yourself in the story? Imagine that an angel shows up in your bedroom and tells you, hey, Mary, you're 14 years old. You're going to have the Savior of the world, and he's going to be born through your body, and you're not going to have sex. Okay. Never heard anything like that before. How many of you could receive direct revelation from an angel and still not understand what's going on? They had no clue what was going on. They had, they had like 2.5% understanding of what was going on. Elizabeth is like pushing 80. How many of you understand that 80-year-old women don't get pregnant? It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And yet here's a woman in her mid to late 70s, most likely, pregnant. How many of you understand as her belly is expanding she doesn't really understand what's going on and neither does anyone else in the village. Like even though you've got a word from the Lord for it, you're like, all right, what is going on? How many of you would wake up every morning while you're scrambling eggs and your belly is expanding thinking, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> yeah, this is what's happening here. It's so weird. In God's kingdom, you can know something and absolutely not know it. How many of you understand that even though the angel told Mary and Elizabeth that their sons were going to be the rise and the fall of many and that, the, the, that, that Jesus was going to take away the sins of the world, how many of you understand that in this moment, while you know that at one level, because we know the end of the story, how many of you understand that these ladies had no clue what was really being talked about? It's so weird. Like God can tell you something and the thing that you think you know the most, the thing that you've heard most clear in God and from God is at the same time the thing that is most mysterious and the thing at the end will be the biggest surprise to you. It's, which is not the point. The point is, even in those moments, you can have joy. Understanding is not the doorway to joy. That's also pretty good news. I'm on a roll this morning, you guys. I'm telling you, I'm preaching pretty good. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. Secondly, joy. Not only is it part of the process, not only is it on the way, not just at the end, but joy in God's kingdom must be expressed. These few verses, they contain not the idea of joy, but the expression of it. And this is a really big deal. Because joy is that internal well that comes bubbling up and then it ends up spilling out on everything else. And in fact, it must. One of the things we see here is that, is that Elizabeth is shouting. Look at verse 42. She exclaimed with a loud cry. That's like, that's Bible speak for she was yelling like a mad woman. Okay, Elizabeth is screaming. And by the way, screaming with joy at another person in a small house. <laughs> you gotta, sometimes you got to put this in context. Imagine being in a little room where someone is yelling, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Like in a bigger room like this, it's a little bit startling. Imagine the room shrinking a little bit. It becomes more intense. 
what we see here is not just the idea of joy, but it's the expression of it. Elizabeth is shouting. John the Baptist is doing flips in his mother's belly. He's jumping. And then right after this, if you open up your Bibles, and I, and I hope you will, you see that Mary is singing. So Elizabeth's shouting, John is flipping, and Mary is singing. See, joy is not just an idea. It's something that has to be expressed. It's really hard to be full of joy and be a stoic at the same time. It's really hard to be full of joy and have this, this posture. You know, this, this, it's hard to do it. Uh, certain actions end up needing to be expressed. And when those actions get expressed, they lead to other actions. Certain expressions become the context for further action. When joy gets expressed, it leads to a party. Like, joy is always growing. When joy gets expressed, it ends up growing. Um, I, love what, I love what Chris Valentin says. Um, Chris Valentin says this. He says, serious is not a fruit of the Spirit. That's such a great word. Serious is not a fruit of the Spirit. But I'll be honest, sometimes here at the vineyard, even sometimes here at the vineyard, we're just like too serious. That was, that's a pastoral word. Sometimes here at the vineyard, we're too serious. And most of it's my fault because I'm too serious. But whatever. Sometimes we're just too serious. And serious is not a fruit of the Spirit at all. Uh, Jesus is worth shouting about. Not only that, but Jesus is a reason to sing. Like all the time. Jesus is worth shouting about and Jesus is a reason to sing. Jesus is not a reason to stand and watch someone else sing. And sometimes here at the vineyard, we're way too content to just stand and watch Hannah sing. Or stand and watch Glenn or Sam rip a guitar solo. Uh, Jesus is a reason to jump like John the Baptist. And not a reason to feel insecure about someone else who may be jumping. I saw Sarah up here jumping this morning. As soon as I saw Sarah jumping, I'm getting happier. And I'm also knowing that someone else in the room is probably wishing that she would stop jumping. It's weird how what someone else does can make me feel insecure, right? No, don't get me wrong. I know there's such a thing as personality types. I know that introverts are real. Not only do I know that introverts are real, but I am one. Like, Sundays exhaust me. Like, I feel called to do this or whatever, but this social dynamic, this social dynamic that happens from two services on a Sunday morning, it leaves me emotionally fatigued. When I go home... I just want to shut myself in a dark room and watch TV shows where people shoot one another. (laughs) Basically, The Sopranos. And whenever I can't get a hold of The Sopranos, I just want to watch football, right? Why? Because I'm an introvert. That's how it is. Some people get energy from being around other people. It takes energy away from me. You know what I mean? So, what am I trying to get at? Personality types are real. Introverts are real. And I know that there's some people who are a little more quiet and a little more reflective, naturally. But I also know that there's, there's, there's nothing worse than manipulation. Any of y'all ever been to a meeting where you just you got emotionally manipulated by some pastor dude? I hate that. I hate that. It's terrible. It, it's not the Lord. Like somebody who's running some hype machine, running around, jumping up and down on stage, trying to get you to do something so that we can all have this thing, and then we can go home and be excited about a thing that really wasn't the Lord, but we just made up. Like, I hate that. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing worse than manipulation. Uh, there's also nothing worse than trying to build a circus around a funeral. You ever been to a you ever been to a meeting like that where it's just like some? Am I the only one who ever went to meetings like this? <laughs> it's terrible. It's terrible. So what am I saying? Introverts are real. Personality types are real. Some of us are a little more quiet and reflective. There's nothing worse than manipulation. 
There's nothing worse than building a circus around a funeral. And at the same time, there are realities that are bigger than genetic makeup, yours and mine. There are realities and there are forces that are bigger than the score you may or may not have received on the Myers-Briggs test. Uh, There are reasons that trump other reasons. Uh, Not all truth is equal. There are some things that are actually more true than other things. So, for instance, it is true, I'm an introvert. And the bigger truth is, Jesus is worth shouting about. It trumps my introversion every time. At a certain point, it would be good to ask, what is bigger? My introversion, my insecurity, or the joy of God's kingdom? The joy that's breaking in. The joy that surrounds His Son, Jesus. See, my insecurities... When my insecurities trump the goodness that I see in God's kingdom, when my personality trumps the goodness that I see in God's kingdom, then those have functionally become my God. They are the things I obey. Right? Yeah. Not only that, but when we express joy, it grows. Like joy cannot remain an idea. It has to become an expression. Because it is at the root of a much bigger truth. You may be an introvert. Great. There's a bigger truth. Jesus Christ is the king of the universe. And he's phenomenally good. Not only that, but when we begin to express joy rather than let it rest at an idea level, this mysterious thing begins to happen and it begins to grow. And one of the reasons that it begins to grow is very simple. Everything that you focus on grows. Everything you focus on grows. Um, And the reason that everything that you focus on and everything that I focus on grows is because you and I are finite and we only have so much capacity to feel, so much time to think, and so much room to act. What am I saying? What I'm saying is this. You're a finite being with limited emotional intellectual and physical resources whenever you begin to put your attention on something you are at the same time taking your attention away from something else does this make sense anything you focus on grows when we begin to attend to joy when we begin to attend to the greatness and the goodness of who god is he actually grows Why? Because I've taken some of my limited resources and shifted it to this one thing. When I begin to look at Jesus, I am at the same time not looking at other things. A yes to Jesus is a billion no's, if that makes sense. And so when joy is expressed, it's oftentimes loud, it'll create a stir, but then it does this mysterious thing where it actually causes it to grow around us. Now a couple things here about joy. And it's some stuff that we see in the scriptures this morning. The joy of God's kingdom, the joy is in Jesus. And if you've got a notebook, you should write that down. You should underline it twice. If you've got a smartphone, you should put that in your notes. Put three exclamation points after it. The joy is in Jesus. It's in his presence. And we're going to see that in just a minute. Because the joy is in Jesus and because it's in his presence... What this means is this. It means that you and I don't have to conjure it up. It means that entering in isn't about trying to shout and trying to be joyful. That actually isn't helpful. The joy is in Jesus. So look at this. There's a really wonderful picture here. When Mary walks into the room, Mary is 
not as far along as Elizabeth. We know from the scripture that Elizabeth is six months along. Mary is not that far along. In fact, she's probably at the very beginning of her pregnancy. Meaning that Jesus is a tiny baby embryo. Tiny baby embryo in her belly. When Mary walks into the room, John does a flip for joy. That's what it says, right? When you came in, the sound of your greeting came to my ears, and the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Here's what's interesting about this. See, the joy is in, is in the presence of Jesus. Jesus is an embryo, and I hope you understand embryos don't talk, and embryos don't heal. Jesus didn't talk. Jesus didn't heal. Jesus didn't do anything. He just was. Now, this is really great news because it means, it means that in his presence there's fullness of joy. And it means that you and I don't have to conjure anything up. What we need is we need to be able to see Jesus. Uh, this is why it says in Psalm 16 that in his presence there's fullness of joy. Uh, the fullness of joy is not necessarily in what Jesus does or what Jesus says. Sometimes we get really excited about some of the things that Jesus does and some of the things that Jesus says. And they're worth getting excited about. But at the end of the day... Real, remaining, lasting, growing, change your life, shouting, singing, dancing kind of joy. It comes from who Jesus is. Just his being. Nothing more, nothing less. Not only that, but it's available now. And it's available now because he's here. And some of us might be thinking, well, what about when I don't feel it? What about when I don't feel it? Like Jesus is here and I don't feel joy. Uh, or secondarily, does, does the fact that Jesus being here and that joy is in his presence, does it mean that sadness is off limits? Of course not. Of course not. Life is incredibly complicated. And if you buy into some of these crazy theologies like you can never have a sad day, man, you've, you've hooked up with, with some crazy stuff and it's going to ruin your life. Like life is really complicated and nobody knows that more than God. Like no one's surprising him. Life is really complicated. It means that sadness is actually not off limits. Some things are sad and they should be sad. They're just sad. Like, and you can't paint them in better light. Uh, you, can't, you can't Thomas Kincaid them into being something better. Right? Those atrocious little cottage paintings. You can't, you can't cottage painting some things into something better. Uh, sadness is not off limits. Sometimes anger is the order of the day. But... Both anger and sadness should, should pale in comparison to joy every single time. So some of us might be asking ourselves, why do we rarely feel it? And then why, secondarily, why do, we struggle to, why do we struggle to express it? I did a little thinking this week on why we rarely feel the joy that comes from Jesus' presence. And by the way, when I say we, I'm talking about me. Why is it hard to sometimes get connected to the joy that's in Jesus' presence? And then why do I sometimes struggle to express it? Uh, I can only come up with two reasons. There may be more. I did some thinking this week. I could only come up with two. And they're not great. So prepare yourself. It's good. We're going about three minutes of bummer land here, okay? The first reason that we struggle is because we don't see Jesus or we aren't aware of his presence. And the second one is we don't like him. The reason we struggle to feel the joy and express the joy is one of two reasons. Either we don't see Jesus or we don't like him. That's it. 
Now, for most of us in the room, because most of us in the room are believers in some way or another, most of us in the room are really just struggling with reason number one. We struggle, we struggle with being aware of God's presence. We struggle with that. Not just, and it's not just you guys, it's me. It's something I struggle with. Heck, I've been a pastor for lots of years and I still struggle with being aware of God. It's, it's, that's something that takes time and attention. You have, to, you have to work with yourself to become aware of God in every situation. Like, it's not a joke. Jesus is everywhere all the time. And it's not always easy to see. So here's a worthwhile life goal. We're coming to the end of the year, and I know that lots of people in the room will probably be making new life goals for 2015. And, and here at the Vineyard, we're, we're into, like, life trajectory sort of stuff. Like, if you can't plan it, it's probably not going to happen. Like, we, we believe in getting your stuff together, having a dream, making a dream, writing it down and telling somebody. We believe that stuff is powerful. We've seen it change things. People who don't plan, it ain't going to happen. But here, here's a worthwhile life goal. For all you life goal people out there, a really worthwhile life goal is to become a person who is increasingly aware of God. Like whatever you're going to write down for the next year, above that, you should scratch it out and you should write down, I'm going to become aware of God, aware of God this year. I'm going to train myself to, to attend to his presence. Why? Because that's where the joy is. Here's a worthwhile question. When Jesus comes into the room, what's my response? See, when Jesus came into the room here, John did a backflip. And, and Jesus did nothing but walk into the room. I love this picture. Mary shows up. When she shows up, she brings Jesus with him. John does a backflip. Why? Because Jesus came into the room. Here's a worthwhile question. When Jesus comes into the room, what is my response? When we get together as a church, Jesus says, I'll be with you if a couple of you get together. When we get together as a church, what's my response? John does a backflip. John does a flip. Elizabeth starts shouting, and Mary sings a song. All of these are good and right. I have another question. What if when what if you got to heaven? What if you got to heaven surrounded by the presence of God before Jesus on his throne? And the roar of dancing and laughing and singing. And in that moment, you realized you didn't like it very much. Now, so I know some of us are thinking, well, that's a weird question. No, it's not actually. It's actually a really great question. What if, what if you get to heaven, you're surrounded by the presence of God, Jesus is on the throne, there's a roar of laughing and singing and dancing, and you realize you don't like it? And I know some of us are thinking, that's ridiculous. There's no way we won't like it. Well, what if? Well, here's another question that goes right along with that. If you don't like it now, why will you like it later? You ever thought about that? Like, if I don't like God now, why will I like him later? What then? What then? Well, the joy is in Jesus. And if we're struggling in this area at all, it's one of those things that we should ask God about. We should ask God to let us see Jesus. That's a prayer I know he'll answer. Ask God to let us see Jesus. I don't have to conjure anything up. 
You don't have to conjure anything up. I don't have to work up a lather. You don't have to work up an anointing. I just need to see him. Seeing Jesus is the key to everything. Now, for me, this gets even better. We said a moment ago that the joy is in Jesus. The joy is in Jesus. But it gets even better. The joy is in Jesus, and he is in us. I love this picture. Mary is pregnant, 14, maybe 15 years old. Jesus is in her belly. And at this part of the story, Jesus is probably just a little embryo doing the backstroke and amniotic fluid. She's probably at the beginning of her pregnancy. Elizabeth's six months along and she's showing. And Mary has gone to her because the angel told her that Elizabeth was also pregnant and that it was a work of God. And so she went to her for confirmation. Why? Because if it's true for Elizabeth, then these things must be true for me. Does that make sense? She went for confirmation. And one of the reasons that she went for confirmation is because she experienced something that all pregnant ladies experience. And not only that, but it's the, it's the kind of thing that all believers experience. She went and she needed confirmation because she was carrying something she couldn't yet feel. See, when, when you get pregnant, you're pregnant before you ever feel it. You're pregnant before you ever know it. Uh, When you get sick, you're actually sick before you know it. You're sick before the symptoms show up. When you get well, you're actually healed before the symptoms all go away. Isn't this weird? So Mary's carrying something she probably can't feel. Not only that, but I love this picture. Mary's the first person to have Jesus on the inside. She's the first person to carry the Lord. She's the first person to be a living temple of God. But she's not the last. And so just like a woman who is newly pregnant and isn't aware of all that she carries, so so you and I are often filled with God but unaware. We're houses of joy, but we're unaware. The joy is in Jesus, and He is in us. This is what Paul says in Colossians chapter 2, 9 and 10. It says, For in Him, and the Him here is Jesus, for in Him the fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled with him who is the head of all rule and authority. For everyone who trusts Jesus, you get filled with Jesus. Not only that, but Jesus says this in John chapter 14. He says, I will ask the Father and he'll give you another helper to be with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. See, the, the, world, the, world, will only, the, the world will only believe and receive what it can see and know. But Jesus goes on to say, you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. In you. It's amazing. So it's possible to be filled with something and not know it. It's possible to be filled with the Spirit and not know it. It's possible to be filled with Jesus and not know it. But not forever. Not forever. This is how salvation works. Something happens. We have a God encounter. We have a story to tell. But the gravity of that story is still mysterious. And what has happened to us in some ways is still unknown. Like Mary has this angelic encounter, but it takes her entire life to really understand what happened in that moment. Oftentimes God is, by faith, filling us with something that takes years for us to understand. Oftentimes God is resident with us. He is in us. And oftentimes we just don't even know it. 
Why? Because the beginning of God's kingdom work in us is embryonic. And because it's embryonic, we think we sometimes struggle to, to believe that it's actually real. There, there may be a kingdom embryo in you, but because you can't feel it, you, you, you struggle and you think, maybe I've been excluded. One of the other things that we see in this passage here is that the fullness of that moment, especially the joy, it isn't realized fully until Mary goes to meet with Elizabeth. I think this is instructive for us as well. The joy of Jesus, the joy of his presence is found, is found in the sharing. In, in order to know what you carry, in order to know what's resident, in order... In order to experience more of what you've perhaps experienced, you have to share it. Uh, Joy is not an isolated part of the gospel story. Joy is never an individual phenomenon. How many of you understand that jokes are not not funny alone? It's one of the reasons I wanted to play Jim Gaffigan this morning. Why? Because when Jim Gaffigan tells jokes, it becomes funny. Like It's in the telling that, that the experience is fulfilled you have to you have to share it and it's the same thing it's the same thing when it when it comes to the gospel story it's the same thing when it comes to jesus and the joy of who he is the joy is found in the sharing the joy is communal you and i we will never step in step fully into jesus's joy until we become participants with it and begin to share it um it's a part of the journey this is one of the reasons why the book of hebrews tells us to not give up on meeting together. Then when, when, when it says don't give up on meeting together in the book of Hebrews, it means don't quit coming to church. Like, it, you know why the book of Hebrews has to tell us don't quit coming to church? <laughs> because church sometimes sucks and you're going to want to quit coming to church. <laughs> That's why. I would like to say a couple things about that. Uh, number one, number one, one of the reasons that church is sometimes a bummer is because church is supposed to be a bummer. This is counterintuitive, but I'm, I've, after years of doing this stuff, I'm, I'm convinced of it now. It's actually supposed to be a bummer. Church is the place where you're, this doesn't give anyone license to be a jerk. That's a, so everything I'm about to say comes with the understanding that no one has the license to be a jerk, right? But part of the reason that church is sometimes a bummer is one of the things that you and I need is we need somebody to offend us that we can't get away from and we have to work it out. Like we need it. Like every single thing that Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount, the context for living in that is family and church. Two things that you shouldn't be able to get away from. So sometimes it's a bummer and it's supposed to be. You hang around here at the vineyard, here's a couple things I know that are going to happen to you. You're going to get offended. And someone's going to hurt your feelings. And you will learn to forgive. Eventually. Hopefully. Yeah. So the book of Hebrews tells us, don't give up on meeting together. Because the temptation is just to see, ah, forget it. Church is a bummer. But one of the things I can assure you is this. That not meeting together is a bigger bummer. Why? Because because the joy is in the togetherness. How much fun did we have here last Sunday night? It was ridiculous. Banana man, I see you. Some of you are thinking, like, what happened here? Peter and Sarah put on banana uniforms and sang a song called Banana Man. 
and it was filled with joy. My favorite part especially is the verse about someday if you see me on the street corner in my banana suit or something. Man, that's got Jesus' joy all over it. Some, some other people here played heavy metal. We did some metal last year, last Sunday night here at the vineyard. And that's where the joy is. The joy is actually in the togetherness. It, it may be a bummer to sometimes be together. It's a, it's a much, much bigger bummer to not be together. You actually can't enter into the joy. The joy that is experienced here between Mary and Elizabeth, it's experienced because they're together. This joy moment right here, this singing, this shouting, this backflipping wouldn't have happened in isolation. It actually can't. See, this, this thing we do on Sundays, it's a place of exchange. It's a place to share. And Advent joy has to be shared in order to be experienced to the fullness. You can't just be a receiver. Not at church. You can have a season of being a receiver, but, but you can't just be a receiver. You can't just wait on somebody else. If you set up your life to be a receiver, if you set up your life to wait on someone else, if you set up your life um, with two steps back and just waiting for someone to yada yada, you will never be filled with joy. You'll be bummed. You'll be bummed. You'll totally be bummed. And, and then not only that, but bitterness will grow in that place where you're bummed. And you'll have all kinds of reasons why you're, why you're bitter and why you don't have joy. And, and you'll turn it into someone else's problem. Your problem, you'll, you'll try to convince yourself and everyone around you that I'm not happy. And, and you'll have long lists of reasons why you're not happy. And it's always someone else's fault. No, it's not your, their fault. It's your fault. You can't, you can't stand back. You can't stay in spectator mode and receive the joy of Jesus. You You have to give it in order to receive it. I mean, it's the reason why Paul talks in 1 Corinthians about everyone when we get together in this, when we do this. He says it in Corinthians and Ephesians. He says, when you get together, everybody has a song, a hymn, a spiritual song, a word of instruction. Why? Church is the place where we come to give. Like, it ain't church. Like, if if it's just so I can come to get, that will work for you for a little while, and then eventually you'll become a bitter person, and you'll have a long list of reasons why you're bitter, and it'll always be someone else's fault, and then eventually you'll stop meeting because you've decided that church is a bummer, and then five years later, it'll be really, really bummer town, and you won't like anyone. I'm being a little bit dramatic, but not really. I've met too many people. I know what's going on. The happiest people here at the Vineyard are the givers. And I'm not just talking money. I'm talking about money, life, jokes, everything. Uh, hospitality. The happiest people I know here at the Vineyard have open homes. The most bummed out people don't. The happiest people I know are the ones who are sharing their Jesus stories. The most bummed out people are the ones who will never tell you anything. The happiest Christians I know are the ones who have open hearts and they're giving. And, they don't, and, they're, and they're not spectators. They enter in. You guys ever noticed how, how Dr. Ray is always full of joy? Uh, there's no one at our church who enters into everything more than him. He, he's the first person to buy your lunch. Like, if you go to lunch with Dr. Ray, leave your wallet at home, bro. You ain't buying. He's going to buy your lunch. Uh, Dr. Ray is the first person to enter into worship. He's the first person to enter into friendship. He's the first person to greet. He's the first person to gather. He's the first person to grab. He's the, it's not, it's, it is no coincidence he's also one of the happiest people I know. You cannot be a spectator and be happy. You can't do this and be happy. You can't lay back and be happy. You can't hang out back there at the door and run out real quick and be happy. 
You can't let your, you can't let your insecurities dominate you and be happy. Man, I'm preaching this morning. Dude, I'm bringing it this morning. I'm happy though. <laughs> you can't just be a receiver. You can't wait on someone else. You can't just come in, grab a coffee and see if the band is any good. You can't just be a spectator. You can't just watch and then wonder why we feel separated. You can't look at a distance. You can't just watch the drama. At a certain point, you have to enter in. There might be only an embryo of joy in you. There might be only an embryo of the kingdom. Like the Jesus you have in you right now may be a two-celled embryo Jesus. And if you only have a two-celled embryo Jesus in you, that's enough. It's enough. I believe that's what was in Mary's belly right here. I believe it was two or three cell embryo Jesus. And she could walk into a room, people would lose it. I think that's amazing. I think most of us in the room have embryos of the kingdom in us. That's probably most of us. If we have embryos, that's enough. The thing for us to do is to create a context for that embryo to grow and to expand. Create an atmosphere for nurturing who God is and what he has done for you and in you. See if things don't grow. You should go ahead and laugh. Some people are like, is, is, this a, is, this a, is this a rhetorical suggestion? Is this, a, is this a rhetorical device? No, seriously, you should go ahead and laugh. You should make up a reason to laugh. You should even laugh if you're having a crappy season. In, in a room this size, especially if we mix this room with the other room that was here earlier this morning, first service was so full, I don't even know where all those people came from. Got up early this morning. Here's what I know about the church that gathered here in these gray walls this morning. I know that some people are having a great time, and I know some people are having a terrible time in life right now. And and it'll be that way every single Sunday. One preacher says that when the church gets together, it's a lot like a carousel. Some of the horses are up, some of them are down. Even if you're down, you should laugh. It's in you. He's in you. And if he's in you, there's joy. And it doesn't mean we fake it either. It doesn't mean we tell lies. It doesn't mean that when we meet somebody on the street corner and they ask you how you're doing, that you say, I'm blessed. God. <laughs> tell me the truth. <laughs> you're also a liar. <laughs> Even in those moments, there's like, there's space, there's space in God to laugh. There's space in God for joy. There's space in in God for something that's unsinkable. Like, like joy is unsinkable. And the reason is because inside of us, just like Mary, inside of us, we've been overshadowed God has conceived in us the work of his son amen amen hey uh, y'all want to do something uh, really manipulative right now 
can I, hey, can I, you know how that whole section a minute ago where I was telling you I hate manipulation? Yeah, why don't I just manipulate you guys for about one minute? Would that be cool? If you give me permission, then it's not manipulation. Hey, here's what we're going to do. Uh, this is invitation. If you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. I think, I, think we should, I think we should just shout one time. Would that be fun? Uh, Connor's going to shout with me. Peter, can I get a little help? Yeah, baby. Yeah, here's what we're going to do. This is the benediction. There will be no benedictive prayer today. The prayer is, this church is just going to shout. Does that work? Okay. And, and if you don't want to, if you're, like, you're really insecure or you're an introvert, just put your head down. Okay? <laughs> So here's how we're going to do it. I'm just going to count to three, and then we're, going to, we're just going to shout. And we're going to shout bloody murder. Some of you are not those words. That would be odd. This is not a mnemonic device either. However, we're going to shout like from your bowels. I say from your bowels because some of us are very concerned with how, how would a cool person shout? Like, as soon as you think that, you've already thought wrong. You, you have to just, you, from your guts, like, I'm not going to say that. But from your bowels, from the bowels, from the darkest regions of who you are, we're going to let it happen. Is that cool? All right, here we go. One, two, three. Yes! Happy Christmas. Dude, we should do that one more time because that felt pretty good. Some of us are like, it's getting better. Some of us are like, I'm never coming back to this crazy church. <laughs> That's cool. There's lots of churches that don't shout. I can help you find one. All right, let's do that one more time. That was sort of mean. I didn't mean that. All right, let's do it one more time and then give somebody a high five and a hug and we'll be done. One, two, three. Yeah! The Mass is ended. Go in peace.